Saturday night service if you're visiting with us. Uh, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to know that you're here. Uh, one way we can know that is if you'll fill out a guest card. Then after the service, there's a box back there in our guest services area. You can drop that in the box, and that will give us a chance to contact you later and get to know you a little bit. We'd also just like to meet you uh, sometime tonight as well before you leave. So those of you that are Paramount family, uh, once we're dismissed with the service, before you just run out of here, why don't you look for some faces, some people you don't know, and you guys fellowship with one another before you leave um, tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you are here with us tonight. We know that your grace is amazing. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But Father, we thank you that you shower us with your grace and your mercy. So Father, now we pray that your spirit would meet with us tonight, that you would speak into our hearts, that we would open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you and allow you to teach us, allow you to speak to us, allow you to move in us and change us for your glory, and for our good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure that most of you are at least familiar with the reality TV show, The Amazing Race. Uh, it's been on CBS for, guys, I don't know, 13 or 14 seasons now. And uh, You know, the storyline, if you're not real familiar, they, they have these partners and they just go all over the world, basically, in these races, trying to, to be the first, you know, to... To, to finish the task so they can win the prize. I've actually never watched an episode of The Amazing Race. In fact, I've never watched even more than probably five minutes of any episode. Uh, the only time I've ever really seen it is if I'm kind of flipping through the channels and just happen to run across it. So for me personally, I've never really gotten into the show. But millions of people have, which shows us one common thread among many of us in our nation, and that is... We love a great race. We love to race. We have NASCAR and auto racing. We have horse racing. We have dog races. Little boys, even when they're very young, one of the first things they want to do is look, each, look at each other and say, hey, let's race. When teens get their cars, especially teen guys, maybe more than teen girls, one of the first things they want to do is what? Hey, let's go race. It's just kind of in our blood. We'll race anything and everything. There are turtle races, there are snail races, there are frog races, there's all kinds of races. We'll just race anything. I came across a, a race this past week that was actually billed as the greatest race on earth. And it's actually a series of four marathons. Uh, it's a Nairobi Marathon, Singapore Marathon, <coughs> Marathon Mumbai Marathon, and Hong Kong Marathon. And the relay consists of four, a team consists of four runners, and each one would run a specific marathon. They would total up their combined times, and the lowest cumulative time was the winners, and they would get the $1.5 million prize. Bill is the greatest race on earth. I think there's actually one race that's greater than that. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let me invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're talking about the greater race. We've been in this series entitled Greater. We've been talking really about our greater God. Our theme passage is 1 John 4, 4. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so we've been talking about all kinds of other things, greater love, greater power, etc. 
But tonight we're going to talk about the greater race here in 1 Corinthians 9. And a few weeks ago, we actually dealt with this passage, but we talked about the greater prize. And so we dealt really with just the concept of the prize. Tonight I want to talk about the concept of the greater race, because the prize is something that we're going to receive one day, but we're actually in the midst of the race right now. So that's kind of what I want to deal with tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's talk greater race for a little bit. I want to share four elements, if you will, four aspects of this greater race that we're running. Obviously, this passage is comparing a literal race with this spiritual race that we're involved in as believers, this race of faith, if you will. And so this is the comparison that we'll make tonight. But there are four elements I want to want to share that will make us or help us, enable us to run this race well. And the first element is that of preparation. There's got to be preparation. Verse 25, it's really what it's saying. It says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. I've shared this story before. It's about nine or ten years ago. Most of you probably weren't here at that time, so you've probably not heard the story. But it's one of my least glamorous, least glorious most humiliating athletic endeavors of all time. I was a senior at Hardin-Simmons University. I was in a fraternity, and our fraternity always competed in intramural athletics as a, as a fraternity. <clears throat> well, I would play in most of, most of those different sports events, but my senior year, they did one that they didn't do every year, and it was a swimming meet. Well, I, I wasn't going to participate in the swimming meet because I'm not a great swimmer. Now, I can swim... But I'm not a great swimmer. I'm not a fish like my wife is. My wife grew up at the lake. She skis. She swims. She can float for like days. I can float for about five seconds and I'm going down. Water's not my natural habitat. So I was not going to swim in the swim meet. But I showed up because I wanted to support my guys. Well, almost toward the end of of the meet, we're in pretty good standings. We have one last event and it's a four-person relay, and each person would run different amount of laps and different strokes, and right before that event, the third person in the leg, leg number three, got sick, started throwing up just all over the place. Well, there wasn't anybody that could swim in that heat. We didn't want to forfeit because we're right there, you know, maybe going to win this swim deal, and that's important, you know, in college intramural athletics, that's important to be competitive. So nobody's around, so I said, okay, I'll step in. I didn't even have any swimming trunks. Some guy had an extra pair, so I was able to change. I come out, I'm the third leg of this four-man relay. And my leg was going to be freestyle, which was good news, because that's about the only stroke I could actually do. But it was, I'm thinking it's 200 meters. We had an Olympic-sized pull, I think it's 50 meters down. So it was a down-back, down-back thing, Okay. So we start, 
The first two legs are doing good. We're not in first place by the time it gets to me. There's a couple of guys ahead, but we're really close. We're doing pretty well. They tagged the wall, and so here I go diving into the water. Man, I start freestyling, and I'm flying down that deal. I get to that first wall, and I make that turn, and I've just blown by all these guys that were in front of me. I'm just smoking them. About halfway through that second leg, I start to feel a little bit of, of, of pain, a little bit of uh, whatever. Pretty soon, I, these guys start kind of catching me. They hit the wall first, but I do finally hit the second wall. And I make the next turn. When I make that turn, I'm dying. I'm barely actually swimming at this point. There is some level of form, but I'm going, I don't know, half a mile an hour. Now, by this time, the guys have already gone down. They've already come back. And the fourth group of the other teams are already in the water. And I'm still in the water, number three. Finally, I get to the third turn. I make the turn, and I got nothing. I make that turn. Nothing is moving. My legs aren't kicking at all. They're dangling straight down into the water. My arms are, are, are barely moving, but I'm not going anywhere, it seems like. Finally, it seems like I'm just kind of, it's not even a dog paddle. I don't know what it was. By that point, everybody is finished. The other teams are finished and out of the water. I'm in the water by myself, drowning. My wife, she wasn't my wife then, but Denise is there watching She's freaking out. She's wanting the guys to jump in the water. She's about to jump in the water, thinking literally that I'm going to drown. I don't know how long it took me. Nobody jumped in. I don't know how long it took me. It seemed like hours. I finally made it and touched. The most humiliating, embarrassing, athletic endeavor ever in my life. Now, there are a lot of reasons why that happened. But one important reason was a lack of preparation. I didn't even stretch before I jumped in. I hadn't even been in a pool, period, probably in a year. And the last time I was in a pool, I wasn't swimming. You know, I was doing some other deal. So I hadn't hadn't trained, I hadn't swam, I hadn't done anything. And that lack of preparation when it came time for the performance showed drastically. Spiritually speaking, it's the same. We're in a race, and we will not run well unless we prepare well. That's what this phrase here in verse 25 is talking about. Whoever competes in the games goes into strict training. Now, that concept of strict training has three very specific connotations. The first is it means always In other words, when I go into strict training, that means I'm always training. It's a day-to-day, regular routine. It's a constant practice. I play golf, but I'm not really very good at golf. One big reason is I won't practice. And it's not just that I don't practice. (laughs) I won't practice. I've made a determined decision. I will not practice. And as a result, I'm not really very good. When you see pro golfers, what are they doing? They're hitting balls, hundreds of balls, every single day. It's constant. It's always. It's a routine. That's this concept right here of preparation. One, it's constant. It's always. The second connotation, though, talks about the depth 
of that preparation. It's strict training. He's speaking about the intensity and the quality of that preparation. My basketball coach my senior year had a saying, and it was a spinoff of another saying that we hear all the time, practice makes perfect. Well, he said, no, it doesn't. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And that was his catchphrase. Perfect practice makes perfect because he said the way you practice is going to be the way you perform. And if you're just goofing around in practice and there's no intensity, there's no quality, there's no concentration, you're going to carry that on into the performance. So there's a depth of quality that has to take place in this preparation. It's true spiritually too. Now in Paul's day, they had these athletic games that Paul probably went to often. And for some of these runners, especially the long-distance runners in the games, it said research shows that they would begin to prepare 10 months before the actual event. And in that training, they would train for 10 months with judges and coaches. And the judges were there watching them to be sure they don't cheat and do anything wrong. But the coaches were there to be sure they were doing exactly what they needed to be doing, that they were focused, that there was an intensity to what they were doing. That ties into the third concept of this strict training, and that's the idea of self-control. When they would enter into self, uh, into, into the, this preparation time, these athletes back in the day, for 10 months, they would abstain from wine, They would abstain from certain foods, and then they would specifically eat certain foods. They would abstain from other behaviors, and they would practice very specific um, routines to prepare them. It was this concept of self-control. The same is true spiritually for us as well. The point I'm trying to make here is that a well-run spiritual race, as we're racing this race of faith, a big dynamic is going to be our preparation and for us spiritually speaking in our race of faith preparation is all about spending time with God it's all about our spiritual disciplines that we take to walk with God and develop our relationship with him it's time in the word reading it studying it memorizing it it's time in prayer conversing with God and sharing your heart and listening to the Spirit of God as He tries to speak to us in conviction or comfort, etc. It's spending time in worship where we can sing our praise to the Lord and just open up our heart and our spirit to the Lord. It's being together in the body of believers, the body of Christ, where we can come together and encourage one another and uplift one another and teach one another and, and challenge one another. It's all that. And spiritually speaking, these three dynamics are the same and just as true. We enter into strict training, which means we're constantly preparing. We're constantly in the Word. We're constantly spending time with God. We can't expect, I, I read a survey this week that talked about time that we spend in a week in different activities each day, and grooming was like 45 minutes a day, and leisure was like several hours a day, I forgot exactly what, but, but in religious activities, the time frame was five minutes, that the average person spends an average in a, in, in a day, five minutes in some type of religious activity in a week. So in other words, seven times five, 35 minutes in a week, that might be a worship service. 
So what I'm trying to say is coming together once a week isn't enough spiritual preparation for us to run the race well. We need to be spending time with God constantly, day by day, this consistency. It's about intensity. When we do come, whether it's corporate worship or it's in my individual time with the Lord, that when I'm spending time with Him, I'm doing all that I can to be intense and focused and not, you know, just kind of doing whatever. Self-control, realizing that in this race, there are some things I need to abstain from. There are some things that I specifically need to put into my life. It's all about preparation. Because here's the, here's the key. This preparation is going to give us the wisdom and the strength that we need to handle the encounters that we will encounter during our race. Those encounters may be different. It may be an encounter with a lost person. And we need to be prepared when we have that encounter that we know what to say, that we're able to share Christ with them, that we even have a sensitivity to realize what's going on, that we want to begin to share Christ with that person. The encounter may be with a brother or sister that's in trouble, going through some uh, tremendous event or circumstance. We need the wisdom to know how are we going to counsel this person, what do we need to do to help this person along the way. The encounter may be with our own temptations, And we need to have the strength and the Word of God that's going to help us resist those temptations when they come. It could be some big, important decision that you have to make that's really going to affect all kinds of encounters. But it's this preparation time that we spend, that we run the race well. We don't end up being like me in that swimming pool with our legs just dangling down in the water going nowhere. But we've prepared ourselves and we're able to run that race well. So that's the first element, it's preparation. Second element, though, is purpose. We have to understand and keep in mind the purpose. Verse 24 in our passage says, run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, when these runners start to run, they have one reason for running. It's to win. (laughs) It's to get the prize. And so he's saying in this spiritual race, this race of faith, run in such a way as to get the prize. And we talked about the prize a few weeks ago. Verse 26, he says, as a result, I do not, Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. In other words, I have a purpose. I know the prize ahead of me. And because of that, I'm going to keep the purpose in mind so that I'm not just running around aimlessly. Now, that word aimlessly literally means uncertainly. In other words, the idea is like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just running around like I have no idea what I'm even supposed to be doing. The word picture here, if you can imagine this, would be like a runner, say back in the day in these games, a runner that had just spent 10 weeks, I mean 10 months preparing for, for the games, And so his race comes up, and so he gets on the starting line, and then when the horn is blown or however they started it back then, running, he just, he didn't know what he's supposed to do. All this time training, and now he's in the event, and now he, when he starts running, he doesn't know where he's going. That seems absurd to us, doesn't it? That's the picture that he's trying to paint as believers that we're spending this time in our relationship with Christ. We want to be sure that we keep our mind and our focus on our purpose because if we lose our purpose, we just kind of just start, what am I doing here? And we begin to live our life as if we have no idea what we're supposed to be doing. 
So what's our purpose? Well, we can only touch on that tonight. You can say it a lot of ways. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to make an impact in the kingdom while we're here. Our purpose is to invest in people and impact people's lives and see those lives changed forever because of what Christ wants to do. It's to be obedient to whatever God's calling me to do. It's to be faithful to the task that he's called me to, knowing that everything that I'm going to do is going to glorify God. That's our purpose. So he says, I'm going to run in such a way as to fulfill that purpose. And to me, that's what makes this greater race such a greater race. It's because it has such a great purpose. So that's why Paul said in Ephesians 5.16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. In Colossians 4.5, he says basically the same thing. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. It's realizing that we are salt, we are light, we are ambassadors of Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation to glorify God, and that's our purpose. So Paul says, if we'll keep that mind and purpose, instead of us just kind of going through life with whatever, we're, we're streamlining, knowing exactly what we're supposed to be doing to fulfill that purpose and calling of God. Well, that leads to the third element. And I'm just going to call that the present. It's about being in the present, staying focused on the present. Yes, we have a mindset for the goal and for the prize, and that's always in the back of our mind. But at the very same time, we're staying in the now, and we're staying focused in the present. Some of these runners back in the games, still runners today, some of you that are distance runners you'll know this better than I even that even though you may have the goal down there the finish line in mind you are concentrating on what you should be doing at every moment in that race you're staying in the present for example you want to be sure you're you have the right pace but you're not running too fast where you're not going to be able to make it but you're not running so slow that you're, you're losing ground. So you're, you constantly have in mind the pace that I'm running. It may be your breathing. To be sure I'm breathing the way I need to be breathing right now. So I don't have some weird oxygen kind of things taking place. So even though I'm thinking about the goal, I'm also at the same time thinking about what I'm doing right now. I heard an interview um, a couple of weeks ago with Bruce Bowen who was an NBA player, professional basketball player. He played for a few teams early in his career, but then he went to the San Antonio Spurs and played with the Spurs for, I don't know, eight or nine seasons. While he was there, they won three championships. So the people interviewing uh, Bruce, they were talking about these championships and how you won these championships and, you know, how did you handle that when you'd be way ahead in some series? Did you catch yourself thinking about, holding that trophy and the big party and celebration or if you were way behind in the series did you think about what's going to happen they were trying to find out what was going through your mind and Bruce said as far as the future or the trophy or the party he said I never let that enter my mind really 
I spend all my time focused on the game that I'm playing right then. And if I can paraphrase what he said, this is basically what he said. He said, my purpose was to win the championship and to win the finals. But I knew that I couldn't win the championship unless I played well. And I knew I couldn't play well unless I was focused on what I was doing right then. That was the key to playing well, which was the key to winning the championship. So what he was saying is he had this this duplicity, if you will, of in the mind, this is the goal, and I understand the goal, and everything that I'm doing is going to help me reach that goal. But one of the most important things that I can do is stay in the now. What am I doing right now in this game that's going to help me get to the end? The same is true spiritually. We do have a prize, and it's going to be a glorious prize that awaits us. But to run the race of faith well, we have to stay in the now. What am I doing right now? Is it helping me run well? Or is it hindering me from running well? What do I need to have in my life right now to run well? That's the concept of being in the present. There's one final element. That's the element of perseverance. Perseverance, we've talked about this a few times over the years. But in verse 27, Paul says, I don't want to be disqualified for the prize. In other, re- uh, uh, in other words, all this that I'm doing, I'm doing it because I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to run this race for so long and then just let something happen. And after these years, something weird happens and I disqualified myself. What he's trying to say is, I want to persevere all the way to the end. I want to finish this thing. I don't want to disqualify myself. In Galatians 5, 7, he's talking to the Galatian believers. And he tells them as a church body, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? In other words, in that church at that time, we don't know exactly all that was going on, but they were running a great race of faith. They were walking with the Lord, and something happened in that fellowship. And it just sent them all in different directions and off course. And so Paul's saying, hey, there's this perseverance. We've got to get back on the right track. Hebrews 12, 1, the last part of verse 1, says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This encouragement to run with perseverance, and this actually identifies two hindrances to us running with perseverance. And the first hindrance it mentions is becoming burdened. Verse one, throw off everything that hinders you. That word hinders literally means weight. Throw off the weight that hinders you, the burdens of life, financial burdens, health burdens, family burdens, relationship burdens, on and on and on. This is not saying go through life acting as if there are no burdens. Because we all 
face these kind of issues. What it's saying is throw these off onto someone who can take care of that. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your cares on him. Cast all your burdens on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus himself says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. The picture is this, that as we go through this race of life, we can have the tendency to want to carry all these burdens ourselves, and we get so weighted down, which is what that word means, we can't continue to run. It's like that swimming meet. It just feels like it's all, there's just nothing left. There's so much weight, you're just sinking. And so as we sink with all the burdens of life, we can't persevere. So he's saying, hey, throw all that stuff off onto Jesus. He can handle it. He can carry it. And he loves you and he wants to carry it. That's going to help you persevere. The second thing, though, he says, is don't become bound. Don't just throw off that stuff that hinders you, but throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. That word means to surround or to wind around. And so it's the word picture that when we get entangled in sin, it's just as if sin wrapping around us and wrapping around us, and now we're not able to run because we're so entangled in this sin, and it keeps us from being able to persevere. He says, throw that stuff off. Be released from that. One, be released from your present sin. When we do sin, when we do fall, what does Scripture say, 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sin, he's what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the way we release ourselves from present sin is to confess it, to admit it, to repent from it. But we may also need to be released from past sins that we've done in the future and we can't seem to get over. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 goes on and says, Because through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. See, there's two types of sin that we may need to be released from. One's the present sin that we confess, but the other is past sin that we just have to recognize and believe and embrace that we have been forgiven of those things and there's now no condemnation for that stuff anymore. So quit trying to run with it. And just throw it off. And if we'll do those two things, Scripture says we can run the race with perseverance. So if we want to run well, this race of faith, preparation is important. Purpose is important. Standing in the present is important. Having a determination to persevere is important because here's the reality there is a prize there is a finish line down here one day when we complete our race of faith faith and the real desire of our hearts should be that when we get there Jesus Christ will say to us well done good and faithful servant you ran well and that we can say with integrity at the end of our race, I've run well. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8. He said, I finished the race and I kept the faith. 
He said in Acts 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. That's our goal, that we can be able to say in the midst of this race, we can get to the end and say, you know what? I finished the race. I completed the task that God had for me. And now I get the prize, that eternal crown of glory to wear for all of eternity. Would you bow with me? Think through for just a moment these four elements. Let the Spirit speak to you to see if one or more of these elements apply to you tonight. Are there some burdens you need to throw off onto Jesus tonight? Are there some sin issues that you need to deal with between you and the Spirit tonight? Is there some recommitting of training and spending time in those spiritual disciplines? Do you, do you need to refocus on that purpose of why you're here? That maybe your life has just kind of been aimless. Father, I pray tonight that your spirit would have freedom in every one of our hearts and minds and spirits tonight. And that through your word and through your spirit, you would speak to us right now. Whatever we need to deal with, whatever the response for us needs to be in our heart based on what you're speaking to us, I pray that you would meet each one of us exactly where we are and share with us exactly what we need to hear and that we would have a spirit of openness to allow you to teach us and move us forward so that we can run the race of faith well. Continue to speak now as we worship you. That concludes this week's podcast. We hope you heard from God in a real and meaningful way. For more information on the ministries at Paramount, please visit our website at www.paramount.org.